Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adam Ruins Everything, the podcast. I am your host, Adam Conover, and I am also the host of a TV show of the very same name, which airs on True TV. You can find clips and full episodes of that show at truetv.com slash Everything and the Watch True TV app. On this podcast, I talk to academics, researchers, experts, journalists, people from around the world of human knowledge about the work they do and why it is so fascinating and important. Today's guest I'm so excited for. Her name is Teresa Gilarducci. She appeared on Adam Ruins the Future, where she told us all about the failings of America's retirement system. And this is a topic that we all know we should be thinking about more. Come on, I know you've got a little stress in the back of your mind about that, oh, you should, oh I should be saving more. I don't think about this often enough. But as you'll hear in this interview, you got to take that off of yourself a little bit because the problems go far, far deeper than anything that you can personally solve. Teresa is going to tell us how we got into this mess and propose a way out of it. She's a labor economist and nationally recognized expert in retirement security and a professor of economics at the New School for Social Research. I'm so excited to have her in the studio with me today. Let's get to the interview. Uh, well, Teresa, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Adam. Uh, you were one of the one of our crew's favorite guests to have on the show because uh, you did this thing when you were on our set where every single person that interacted with you on set, like the like the girls who did your makeup and like our producer Rosie and uh, who like you know helped uh, you know welcomed you to set and everybody, as soon as you met them, you you looked everyone right in the eyes and you said. What are your plans for retirement? You is this something you habitually do in your in your daily life? Like you just you just as soon as you meet people, you say, "How is your retirement planning?" Well, I'm not that um, antisocial, but if I have an opening, um, yeah. then I do it. So I thought I had permission because yeah. the show was about 401k. I was the expert on the set; that yes. was my role, and so um, I was good to go. But but this is not a question that people uh, often are asked, or that people often think about in their daily lives, um, but you sort of seem to have a mission to make people think about it more. Well, I, um, I'm i an economist, um, but I also have what I say, an informal degree from Barnes & Nobles and Borders <laughs> Bookstore in psychology. So I know something about unconscious anxiety and fear. Mm. And what I have found out is that Freud was right, um, that people are afraid of death. It, and when they get older, yeah. it actually looms large and changes like everything. But also um, younger people are wondering about their future. And accumulation, success, stability is on a 20-year-old and, and especially early 30-year-old mind. They haven't quite formulated it that it's about retirement, but retirement and planning is about adulthood. So Give me a human and I can find their spot <laughs> where 
old age and finances and security and adulthood and separation from childhood um, really comes to um, the focal point of 401ks. Wow. Yeah. It's so, it's so psychological because it's this issue that we know we should all be, everyone has in the back of their mind that they should be planning for it more, but doesn't know how to go about it. And is, you know, everyone is, uh, uh, has a deep worry that they're not doing it correctly. Um, so I, I want to just say some good things about the American retirement system. Okay. Um, for one thing, Young people shouldn't be really worried about retirement um, for our country and for our economy and for just the human species. Younger people should be worrying about mating and reproducing <laughs> and educating their young. That <laughs> okay. really is good for our uh, species. And if there's any room beyond that, they should really be concerned about working and being productive you know, in the economy. That's great. So we want a system that puts people on automatic um, for their older selves and for the older people in their lives. And we have Social Security. Social Security and Medicare is a bedrock program for our retirement security, and it also helps a big part of young people's lives be worry-free. By the time that people are 30 and they've been working and paying Social Security taxes, many won't even notice it's coming out of their paycheck. They already have life insurance if they have dependents, because if you're in the Social Security system, you're in for about 10 years, 40 quarters, and that counts from when you had a summer job when you were 16 all the way up to 30. Mm -hmm. You have life insurance for your dependents if you're hit by a bus you know, and, know and die. Yeah, it's worth about $250,000. Um, so you already, by the just by being part of the American economy, you actually have some insurance for your dependents and yourself. If you get disabled in your 30s, um, you're actually covered. You'll get disability insurance. Yeah. So, you know, hail, you know, to the American legislators back in the 1930s that created this bedrock basic social insurance program. And and, and uh, your point is well taken that, that worry is not good for people individually mm. or for uh, the economy as a, as yeah. a whole. Yeah. And if people are having to devote too much of their uh, funds or their time or their energy to planning for, you know, 50 years off in the future. Yeah, that's time that could be spent making today better. Yeah, today better, making their skills in the labor market better, yeah. even taking risks, you know, changing jobs, you know, going across the country, getting married, having a kid, all risks we humans need people to take. They shouldn't be um, closed in because they're saving their pennies for retirement. But but we the picture, though, is not that rosy. I mean, yes, yeah. we have Social Security, and that provides you a certain amount of income. But I think yeah. we're all aware that, well, A, you know, we all hear politicians talk about, you know, long-term issues funding that program. But also, we all know that that is not, you know, Social Security is not uh, going to pay for the yeah. standard of living we have today. We, we all That's sort of right. know that. That's right. And the United States planned it that way, that Social Security would just be um, a, a basic starter platform, you know, to build your retirement. So let me just, you know, give, tell you a story. The story is um, when Social Security uh, was was created and and workers joined either state and local governments or big, big corporations, you know, private public sector, um, employers provided um, a pension system for most workers. Now, not everybody was in it. It wasn't mandatory like in other countries. But if you were 
a, an engaged, attached worker to the labor force, all of your jobs might not have a pension, but a lot of your jobs would have had your pension. So you didn't have so my, to... My grandfather worked for 40 years at AT&T, and he had a pension. Yeah, yeah and, and, and you're lucky because your grandpa didn't have to live in your garage you know, or in your <laughs> yes. basement. You know, you had your parents had an independent adult relationship with their parent who was an independent adult. That's a very good marker for an advanced civilized society. Yeah. It's only when you're poor that all the families sort of live together and share mm. beds. You know, it, it looks romantic, but that's not what people want in their lives. Yeah. Adults want to live away from their um, from their parents, and the parents feel the same way about their adult children. Um, but so that story was a story of most people having access to a pension from an employer that supplemented Social Security. And then the story changed in the early '80s when a, a whole mindset in American economic policy, as well as the world changed, and it's called sort of neoliberal economics, neoclassical economics. But mm -hmm. the whole idea was that individuals um, could take care of themselves better than any big government, and finance markets um, were going to be the key to unlock a lot of risk-taking and a lot of riches. And finance could be democratized, that everybody could own um, a share of a stock and everybody could be a sophisticated investor. So a lot of these trends came together to form a change in our retirement system. Mm. So instead of a regular pension at work where you basically were in the plan because you were working there and along with wages, your employer provided credits to a defined benefit plan. And even if you weren't like your grandfather, Adam, that worked for 40 years, even if you worked for 10 years, but you're in your 40s and 50s, that pension helped supplement. You had a little your, bit of it. Yeah, and it really did didn't make you rich in retirement, but it, you could stay in your house, right? Yeah. You could actually buy cheap birthday presents for your, uh, <laughs> for your grandkids. Yeah. You were a lower middle class worker and you remained a lower uh, middle-class retiree. Yeah. That's what our goals were in the pension system. It wasn't built for anybody to get rich. But in the 80s, we had this ideological change and and finance market changes and regulation changes that made employers move away from these regular pensions towards something called a 401k. And a 401k is a plan that some people, about half of people who are working now, have at work. And it is a platform of mutual funds that employees can invest in. Now, many employers will match whatever contribution a worker makes, but the employer doesn't have to match it. And many employers don't even provide a match. They just provide the platform. Mm -hmm. Your HR director would, will say, hey, you can join the 401k, and how much do you want to contribute? So yeah, a, a I, worker I, triggers a match. My last uh, uh, full-time job, because uh, now, you know, with the TV show, I'm sort of like a, I'm a freelancer in, in uh, uh, for a better sense, you know, for lack of a better yeah. word. But, you know, my last uh, uh, salary job, yeah, there was a 401k, and I think it was something like uh, up to... 7% of my paycheck, they would contribute half of that. So it wasn't Good. one for one. It was like half to mm -hmm. one. And so I like, and I did what I was told, you know, max out that, you know, put in Good. the amount that you can put in to max out whatever that match is. So I think I was, I think I was putting in, 
seven to ten percent of my. I think I did one more, so it was like we'll do up to seven percent, and I did eight because I was like, okay, I'll feel, yeah. I feel wild. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and I had that job for uh, about you know three years, I think. And at the end of it, I had oh low five figures in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had you know uh, uh, I don't know fifteen twenty thousand dollars something like that, which is which is like pretty good. Um, but then I was uh, I remember looking at it and going. Wait, how is this if I did this, you know, for the rest of my working life until I'm 65, so another another 30 years, is that going to wait, is this really going to do the trick? Is, yeah. is this can anyone tell me that this is going to work? Um Yeah, let me I'll answer your question, but I have to ask ask you another one. Yeah. What did you do with that $15,000 when you actually struck out on your own and did this TV show? Uh, I rolled it over uh into a why is that what you call it? I think that's what that's you call right. it. That's right. You got it. Um uh, I moved it into it was at where was it at? It was at Charles Schwab or something like that. I moved it into Vanguard and uh, and I put it in a what is in what is it, what is it in now? An IRA? It's in a oh I know what it's in. It's in a SEP IRA because now I'm self employed and that's what you have access. That's to what you have. And that's what I contribute to now. I put in as much of my you know now I'm lucky enough to have a TV show and so I put in as much as I can you know without uh, you know rather than buying a fancy car and a big house I'm like I'm gonna yeah. save everything for retirement because yeah. I was aware of this issue and I was like you know what I'll just. I'll squirrel it all away and, you know, keep living like I did when I was uh, 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 working, at, working at College Humor. And, yeah, so so now that's a little bit, you know, that, that sort of nest egg's a little bit bigger. But I still have that mm-hmm. question of – because the, the thing is this system – uh, that you're talking about that started in the 80s, everyone's going to save, everyone is going to individually invest in the stock market and these tax-advantaged accounts. Um, it only started in like the 80s. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second, it's just like 2015 right now. It's It's been less time. It's only yeah. been a couple decades. It's going to be longer than that before I yeah. retire. So no one's tried this before. Yeah, like, exactly. No one's actually had a 401k. Show me the person who started right. investing in a 401k when they were 18 years old and now they're 65 and they're like, yeah, I, I'm great. I'm all set. That person doesn't exist because it hasn't been enough time yet. Right. That's right. It's not a mature system. So um, people who say give the system a chance um, and it will work. Um, fall back on that. A fall back on that. This is an untested system, but on paper, it looks like it it will work. Mm-hmm. Um, many of us, and I'm viewed as a um, not a critic, but I'm critical. You know, because I'm an I'm an academic. I look at both sides. Um, are seeing signs um, that even when it matures, it won't work. So let's just talk about you. Sure. Um, your behavior is not the uh, behavior of the majority of people of young mm-hmm. people. In fact, I would say that your your view of the future is unusual. Um, many people can't see beyond 10 or 15 years, especially if they're young. I'm not being judgmental. This is actually the way we're built. Most people are present-minded or even past-oriented. Psychologists. Remember, I have this amateur yeah. degree from the bookstores. But it's called um, you know, present-minded, past-minded, or future-oriented. So a lot of people aren't future-oriented, um, looking long-term. You happen to be that. Um, and you also have this rare quality of being both um, risk averse, as we call it, or safe, you know, kind of worried about the future and, and taking 
prudent measures, and you've also struck out on your own as an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, so that that combination, is, and I, and I have the luck to have had some success at it. I, I, you know, and I, there's that is luck. Good for you to recognize that. I, I yeah, I mean that that is the. Uh, I, I feel that strongly of, of acknowledging that at all times that, you know, it would be very easy to launch a TV show and have not go, get past the pilot or, you know, et cetera, or, yeah. or to not even have that opportunity at all. There's a huge amount of luck involved in my in my mm-hmm. circumstances. And so not everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, not everyone. And I can actually quantify. It's probably about 10 um, percent of people who in their 20s and 30s have your combination of characteristics, even less have your combination of luck. And you'd even be in better shape if you had the perspicacity of picking the right parents. <laughs> that's, that's a joke, but it's, it's, yeah. a, a great, yeah. it's a great title of an economics paper, picking the right parents, because that's mm. recognition that a lump sum that comes from inheritance can help people in this do-it-yourself um, well, uh, but but I also had the advantage. Uh, so uh, you know, I also think often I had the advantage of um, uh, you know I've never had a lot of debt because yes. uh, my parents had a sort of stable financial foundation, so I didn't need to borrow a great deal of money to go to college. You know, when I was striking out on my own in my twenties and doing doing comedy in bar basements for free in New York, you know, and sort of like you know living a little bit hand to mouth. I knew yeah. that hey, even if uh, even if the worst happens and I don't yeah. make rent this month, you know. I've got a backstop in in kind my of. in my folks and et cetera, and so all of that, you know, that that's also that's, uh, luck to it's be luck. It's th- luck. to have that you know foundation. Yeah. No, no, let's talk more about and and even more in that more to that point is that your parents were lucky to have the parents that they had, yes, um, because one of those parents had their father who had a pension, so there yes. wasn't that financial shock of their parents that actually affected their children. We we see this a lot in the data. I'm following thousands of Americans over their life cycle just to see how many people have these financial shocks. But let me so your story actually could turn out well, Adam. Mm-hmm. You are look at the top fifteen you know twenty um, percent who has this sort of psychological ability naturally to look long term we can you can do financial education and get more people towards that but there mm-hmm. does seem to be something endemic and inherent in a personality um, the human species actually needs all kinds the cautious kind the risk-taking kind and really the present oriented kind yeah so this yeah. system is really built for a per- particular kind of personality type that can be molded and can be educated so let's go there so the system is built for 20%. Let's be generous. But then that 20% has to be lucky. Yeah. Um, right when you changed your job and you went someplace else, you didn't have some kind of a financial shock. Or you yeah. weren't involved. You weren't changing jobs in the middle of a recession. Yeah. With through no fault of your own, the unemployment rate went over 10%. You happened to be able to move from a job and go to another economic activity. Yep. That took luck. Yeah. Um, that took being the right age. At the right time. Yeah. Um, so already we have a system that's built for just a few people. Mm-hmm. And you also have the luck of having another generation, um, your parents and that generation that had wealth, um, could allow you not to go into debt. So it was built for even not your circumstances, but also the circumstances of your parents and grandparents. I'm really trying to tell a story that this system was built on ideology, built on the promise of the financial sector, and really built with just 
a slice of Americans in mind. Yeah. It doesn't work for the majority of people. And I'm seeing that as it's getting older and older. Because we, because uh, I think what we just laid out is that so much of our retirement system uh, is, uh, you know, makes the average person feel sort of guilty and yes. uh, uh, that they should be doing more. And and the rhetoric about it, even the marketing of, you know, these companies is always sort of, you should be saving more, you need to plan yeah. well, uh, you know, hey, put down that latte uh, and yeah. go invest it. And if you, if you don't have enough money when you're 65, it's because you drank too much lattes, yeah. you damn latte yeah. addicts, okay. you know. But the truth is that there are so many qualities uh, that people have that make the system work less well for them that are completely outside of their control. Absolutely. Um, you Absolutely. Know, so there's all the there's all the issues with, yeah, you know, the wealth and privilege. I mean, because what I, you know, what my folks had, they weren't wealthy people in the way that right. we think about it. But that, that you know, uh, you know, being able to rely on my grandfather's pension and then mm -hmm. my parents' job, that is that is a small amount of wealth that's like mm -hmm. a basis of stability. But so many people don't have that. So many people don't have the luck. Like what if instead of, you know, uh, you know, someone who, say, you know, is retiring, was retiring in 2008 would be exactly. totally screwed by that system. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, the the idea of personality is so interesting because we think of that as being something that's under your control. Yeah. Uh, and... You know, when you say, oh, I, you know, I'm the sort of person who's risk averse, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, that sounds like you're complimenting me. No. Uh, yeah. But that's just sort of I'm how not. I'm, yeah. that's, that's, that's how I'm <laughs> yeah. built to a certain extent. Um, yeah. I'm noticing. I'm really not complimenting you. It's something you really can't <laughs> control. Yeah. Um, you did, and, you made and, some good decisions. You didn't take, when you, when you move that money, so this, you know, if people listening here are listening for a couple of reasons, they're probably listening about like what we should do for this country to help old people who are going to be driven off the cliff in about 10 years. I, I really there is a huge retirement crisis facing us. So that's one interest we have. It's also really important that people think about their own their own situation as they're listening to us. So let me just compliment you on one decision that you made. You decided to save early. And that's just like borrowing money early. It can it can compound. Saving yeah. money can compound in, for your favor in just the same way. So that was a good decision. But, but and I, I'll compliment you on that. Well, but I, I also had the interest and the ability to sort of like find my way around a complicated, you know, uh, ah, financial website, course. right? Of course. Because that's the sort of person I am, right? Because you're a researcher. You're, a yeah, cur that's, you're curious. Yeah, you know, I also, you know, I'm the sort of person I learned to code my own website and when I was, ah. you know, 18 years old. So when I was 29 years old, finding my way around the extremely unintuitive Vanguard website and learning how yes. all the different funds work, etc. That was something that I could that oh. I could handle and I kind of enjoyed. But I have friends who are not, you know, numerically minded, right? Yeah. Who are not technically minded, who do not uh, have an affinity for those things, and they're much better at other things. Uh, right, you know? right. I know, you know, comedians who are far funnier than I am, right. and, uh, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're the funniest people you would ever meet. Uh, they're not good with numbers. They're not good with planning, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, the thing that has struck me for a long time is, those people deserve to have a secure f future too. Uh, like, you know that that is uh, just because someone is not uh, 
not like super cut out to yeah. like uh, work with you know uh, how an you know how to plan their own investment mm. you know how to figure out how an index fund works and what percentage yeah, they should put in and etc. Those people still deserve to live. Uh, no, uh, even <laughs> you know? even more important. I mean, we're we're in this sound booth and we're really talking um, nerd to nerd. Yeah, you know, we found each other because we're interested in the same kinds yes. of complexities. Um, but if it, if the world would just fill with people like us, it wouldn't be such a glorious world and wouldn't have much of a future. We, yeah, and that's why Social Security was built, and that's actually why employers provided this defined benefit plan because they wanted their tool and die maker to actually really fashion with their lathe another tool to make a better car. They really didn't mm-hmm. want their worker to think about Van Vanguard index funds. Yeah, so we may actually regret. That we made, we forced every worker to be a financial expert um, because that might lower the productivity. It's as if we told people that they have to learn how to do their own dentistry or their own electrical wiring. We've talked about that before. The the world is full of all kinds, of all kinds of personalities, people with all sets of circumstances and all sets of abilities. And we like it that way. And we want a retirement system that supports all kinds. All kinds of people. And, And it's really good for us. It's also so unfair if we build a retirement system that is only catered to, and it turns out to be higher income people because they are the ones that will have the money to voluntarily save. Remember, we went back to what happens at work. Your HR director says, hey, do you want to contribute 1% to 8% to 10%? Well, if you're a higher income person, you're going to have more money to, um, to save, especially if you can count on pay increases. And that's actually much more available to college-educated people. And um, um, much more importantly is that our tax system is built for a deduction so for retirement savings. So the more money you make, the more money you get back from the government for saving. So you could be doing all the right things and and earn about $25,000 per year. Save the maximum, read all the financial statements, um, put in a hundred bucks, but since you don't, um, you only put in the standard deduction, which most taxpayers do. You don't get a cent from the um, tax preference um, for retirement savings. It's only people who are making seventy thousand up to two hundred fifty thousand that really get a substantial what I call subsidy or tax break from the federal and state governments. So that, we've built a system a point, that yeah. really helps um, the higher income people. Also, higher income people don't lose their jobs um, as as much as lower income people do, and through no fault of their own. In recessions, higher income people are protected more than the line worker. Right. Um, so when you tra- when people transfer jobs, of course they're going to take some money out of their four hundred one k to help bridge the gap, you know, between um, between jobs. So I. I have, in my research, um, real people matched against the um, the promise of a 401k, kind of the spreadsheet robot person. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and the robot person is someone who, uh, for whatever set of circumstances, start to save in their 20s. I happen to be that because I happen to be in a professor job where they said, save 10%, we'll match another 5%. I've been saving 15% my whole life, and I've seen it grow, and I'll be okay. So 15% is what most experts say 
a 25-year-old should start spending. It's a lot even more than you did. But you'll be okay. You're going to ratchet up your savings, especially after we have this conversation. And we are lifelong <laughs> friends. I'm going to hound you. Right? I know. I know that. You I already know, know you that. I know you right? will, yeah. <laughs> Just, um, if I asked all the people who worked on your set about that, I probably will hound, hound Rosie as well. <laughs> yes. Um, so I want, to, I want to put everybody I can on the lifeboat. Um, but the lifeboat of 401ks is not big enough. Mm. Also, there are a lot of predators on that lifeboat. Um, mm. The system is also not very well regulated. And the system is not only built for, for higher income people, but it's actually built for people who can't ferret out the um, being overcharged for fees. Right. Because the uh, the fees uh, that was something I expect to get to a little later, but yeah, let's let's talk about it. The uh, I know again from educating myself about how all these funds work, the fees make a huge difference. What seems like a small fee, the difference between one uh, percent and one point five percent of you know fee over the lifetime, you know, by the time you retire, could be hundreds of thousands of dollars or or something like that. And and yeah. a lot of times the fee of the yes. uh, of the 401k plan that their employer forces them to use is higher than it should be. Um, yeah, I. it is really fun to talk to you. Now I can know why your show huh. is actually successful. Um, for the people who are listening, it's really important to take Adam's advice, and that is to go to Vanguard. Mm. Um, because Vanguard has this business model um, that actually puts the investor first because it's a mutual fund company. Um, it is owned by the shareholders, and there's no other financial manager that has that corporate structure. Yeah, when you when you invest in a Vanguard fund, you are also the owner of the fund, you got it. so it's in their interest yeah. to. You're both the customer and the owner, so it's a little bit like it um, closer to a some like a giant cooperative where the you point is it. to is to keep the fees low. It, yeah, uh, but right. that is again the best option in a system that is not Working. serving people. And just if I can like rattle off a couple statistics really quick, fifty two percent of American households risk not having enough saved for their retirement. Half of Americans thirty two to sixty one have no retirement savings at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the Great Recession, the average 401k plan lost 27% yeah. of its money. I mean, when you hear those statistics, yeah. you have to say, wow, this is this system is really not serving us. I mean, the most, the most uh, yeah. uncharitable way to look at that is to say, wow, nearly half of Americans have no retirement savings at all. What a bunch of lazy slackers. They <laughs> should have been saving the whole time. Well, hey, they're on their own, right? But yeah. I would still look at that and say, you know what? That's a problem no matter why it happened. Whether I say they're lazy or not, that's still, A, you know, they're our fellow citizens and we should have a system that cares for them. And B, we all know how the government works. We're all going to be paying for them one way or another, right? Well, well, that's right. Uh, Yeah. Either in, in, you know, the the, uh, actual services or in... Uh, how it's going to impact our daily lives. I mean, we don't want to live in a world where there's just indigent elderly people wandering the streets because they don't have any places to live. Like, this is a problem that affects all of us. Uh, and even many cruder, we really don't want, and either do your parents, um, want to have to ask you to live in their um, live in your garage. Yeah. Um, that is, it's really important for your um, parents to be able to have dignity, um, as, as well as not having your cities and your states putting all of their budget towards um, 
um, service food, you know, food for the homeless and yeah. and and elderly um, shelters. So practically, it's a problem to solve. But I really want to get back to the shame that is produced by this system, mm. and also the um, structure of blaming the victim because it's wrong. We have a system that's built for robot type people. Yeah, or um, or rich people who have a lot of extra right. money to sock away. Yeah, and they also have mommies and daddies that sort of know about the financial market or yeah. have a way into some of the better um, plans. I mean, don't don't knock out the importance of privilege yeah. in, in this system, and also have families where debt is not an overriding problem. Remember, this is an issue about saving early, yes. not about debt management, even though that's the other side of the coin. Well, and the advice yeah. that you'll get from a, a Susie Orman type anyway uh, is if you have <laughs> the look on your face uh, when I said her name. Uh, well, the advice that people get is if you have debt, you have to pay down the debt first and, and you know, don't don't save until you have paid down the debt. And debt, we know, right. I mean, that's entire other episodes of our show, the effect that it has on people's lives. Oh, yeah. Let's uh, I'd be happy to help off, you know, off camera on your um, on the debt issues. Um, I winced at Susie Orman because even though you can take out some good advice from her, um, I ask people not. To listen to her because her whole um, personality is to shame everybody. Yeah. Is why doesn't everybody? Why isn't everyone as successful and as beautiful as I am? It's it's sort of like <laughs> yeah. Laura Ingram. You know, it's about I know better. I'm going to. Uh, I have this authority from afar. You're going yeah. to listen to my show because I'm going to tell you that you're all are idiots. And if you're not idiots, you're doing shameful behavior. Yeah. To have a a social insurance system built on shame and ready-made blame is not helpful, and it's also destructive. But personal responsibility is a value that we all share yeah. as Americans. You have to be personally responsible. Um, and that is, it's important to to um, to choose schools, not because of their name brand, you know, but to go to schools that would give you a good education, you know, for the money. State schools are often really good choices. It's also important not to buy new cars when a used car is much um Right. Yeah. Um, and and if you can't make, if you have to buy your avocado toast and your latte with your credit card, you probably should go to McDonald's and enjoy yourself there. So that's all in the realm of what individuals can and can control. But I want to tell you about how people really live their financial lives. I have in my data set. I've been follow. It's an expensive data set. The University of Michigan runs it. The um, U.S. government funds it. Um, I'm following these people throughout their lives, and they've there are people that have done everything they could. They get jobs, they save, and then they hit um, they hit a, a fork in the road. They get an, what we call an economic shock. Their income is cut by ten percent, either because they lost their jobs or they lost their hours, or somebody in their family or themselves has some kind of a health problem, or they were 40 when there was a massive recession. Yeah. That causes, no matter what your personal responsibility is, that um, is an event like a hurricane. It's out of your control. And people in the bottom, like um, 60% of the population, have many more of those than people in, in, in mm. the top. And we need a system that's built for everybody, regardless of personality, because our economic system um, has... We have a market system, and market systems have risks in them, risk of financial 
crisis and risk of, of job loss. That's why Social Security was built. So we do need a pension system on top of Social Security. It should be mandated so that people don't um, go in and out of the system because the only way accumulation of savings works is if you start early and that money stays in. But even if you do that, if you save all you can, if you saved in your Charles Schwab account and you paid just a little bit more, it looks like a small amount on the piece of paper. Right, that extra 1%. Yeah, that extra 1% can mean that by the time you reach 65, you have 30% less um, in your account. So you have to save. It has to be invested well. But then what do you do when you're 65 and you have this big lump sum? Say you have Mm -hmm. $600,000 and the market crashes then. And you lose thirty uh, percent of wow. that six hundred thousand dollars. Like it did in two thousand eight. Yeah, and you did everything right, but yet that shock. So we need a system that turns that lump sum, immunes it. You know, it makes it immune from whatever's happening at the time in the financial crisis, but also lasts your whole lifetime. It's paid out in what's called an annuity, a mm-hmm. lifetime stream of income for the rest of your life. Because what if you were the kind of human that saved? You got a good return. You never took it out. You got $600,000, but you actually had um, a 27% loss, Mm. and you happened to have not smoked or drank just a little bit, and you did your exercise, and you're going to live until 90. Yeah. Um, You might run out of your money when you're 82, and that's a stupid, just a stupid, ridiculous um, system. Yeah. So we do need massive change. At the same time, people have to save themselves and get on their lifeboat um, but, know, when we, before we change it. But what you urge is that we have a system that has uh, mandated contributions, that the, that the yeah. big difference is right now it's all voluntary. Yeah. And let me phrase this and you tell me if I've got it right. Uh, that right now it's all voluntary, and so all those people who you know, a they don't have the they just don't have the personality. They're so bad with money, they're never gonna you know they're never gonna do it. Or they're financially insecure, and so mm-hmm. saving is always the last thing in their mind because they're always living paycheck to paycheck, or mm-hmm. they have debt. Or mm-hmm. um, uh, there's all these reasons that people end up. You know, the voluntary system is yeah. never one that they're going right. to participate in. Right. So, uh, uh, and and that's why we see these huge gaps. So instead, yeah. we we want a system that is uh, that we have to participate in. Is that the idea? Yes, that's it. Just like Social Security. Um, just mm. imagine the disaster um, if in um, 2008 people could take money out of their Social Security system. It would be even worse. Or back in 2001 when people were feeling the pinch from that um, dot-com recession that they actually um, could decide, well, the next few years I'm not going to pay my Social Security tax. It'd be even worse. Yeah. So we need um, a system where people steadily accumulate money into their retirement account. And that system has to um, let people sort of voluntarily um, add more to it, to a basic amount. But the Social Security system as it is, isn't a high enough of a, of, a, of a platform. We need more. So I've proposed a guaranteed retirement account system that's a lot like my pension plan at work. Mm. Um, I'm a college professor. I'm in something called um, TIA or TI or TIE-CREF, and I was forced to save. Um, I could I could vary how much I had to save, but I was really forced to save at least 10%. And when I changed universities, I was in the same system. So it's not my personality or my superiority. I was just forced to as a ha- happenstance 
50% of people, a little less, are in that circumstance. So now we just have to include everybody, and most other countries have that system. Well, I'm here talking to Teresa Gillarducci. We will be back in just a moment, so please stick around. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together, we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like, Why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about bugs. No, we don't. Nope. <laughs> Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager. And... I was two butts, 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 butts. No. <laughs> Welcome back to Adam Ruins Everything, the podcast. I'm here talking to economics professor Teresa Gillarducci about retirement. I mean, even even uh, for my own part in the in the acting union that exactly. I'm in. I have to pay acting dues, right? And uh, every year, I'm like, oh, I gotta pay, I gotta pay some acting dues. Ah, well, you know, hey, at least maybe that's why I get paid a little more for being on set. Um, but there's also a pension plan, um, and I, I, I know very little about it. Oh, are you in that? Oh, so <laughs> yeah. you're in the um, they're, they're, Actors Equity or SAG? You're SAG, in the SAG? Ha- SAG has All a pension right. plan. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I know very little about it. I don't know how much it pays off, but I do know that you know, I'm paying, I'm paying into it, and I right. will receive uh, a benefit yeah. based on how much I pay. Into you it are, at the end. And, and you also don't. You're also paying into Social Security, and both those systems. You don't have to pay attention to. You know, in the morning, you could care less what the market is. You trust the government yeah. to the, to um, at least to to trustee and to steward the Social Security system. You also maybe you haven't said this out loud, but you have a sense that the union is looking after you. And mm-hmm. so have have negotiate, and it's true. I actually know that pension. It's a good pension. I didn't know you were in it. I'm glad, glad <laughs> to hear it. So you've layered your retirement security. You have Social Security that you really don't have much of a choice. You're in SAG. If you're going to be in this business and be successful, you need that union. Yeah. Um, so you're in that. You're forced. You're not. You don't have to pay attention to it. And on top of that, you're in your Vanguard account. Mm-hmm. So you're about. You're one of those rare people about. Um, 25-30%, especially at your age, that have this layered system. I just want everybody to have that second layer, to have um, a plan at work. And if they want to save more on top of that, then then they are the type that makes sure that they want to be able to do cruises and golf golf or whatever people want to do when they retire. But I just want people to stay in their home. Now, what do you you say to people who say – because I think to some people's yeah. ears, this probably sounds a little un-American. They say, wait a second, I have to pay in to this system, whether it's through my employer or the government's running or mm-hmm. something. It's a mandated investment system. Hold on a second. That's that's not how America works. Yeah. I want to choose it myself. I want to choose all my own investments. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that's uh, it should be individual choice. Uh, and that's, that's the way to go. Uh, you know, everything is changing. Um, about 20 years ago, um, people would have said that, that. And remember that went along with the promise of financial markets were going to make everybody rich. Right. Um, and then there was all these newsletters. There were, it seemed financial news seemed to be really democratized. Everybody could get it. Everybody could listen to these money shows, and it seemed to be the promise, you know, for a more egalitarian future. Uh, oddly, but there was this idea 
that the system was going to work for me. That was about 20 years ago. Two recessions later and a lot of exposés of the predatory fees mm-hmm. for IRAs and for, for 401ks have really changed people's mindsets. So Americans, when asked, how do you want to fix this retirement system? First of all, they would like to be secure without paying anything at all. You know, But once you get past that possibility, which is sort of the unicorn and puppies and and, yeah. and rainbows for everybody, and they get real about what their choices are. They're asked, do you want to work longer into your 70s and 75s? Do you want to pay more taxes? Or do you want to be mandated to save? Mm-hmm. And, and Americans choose the latter. So I'm now more popular than I ever was before <laughs> uh, because of the suspicion that the do-it-yourself system is um, not just a matter of sort of pulling up your socks and being more, you know, being more responsible or more diligent about how to navigate through the Schwabs and the vanguards. They're understanding that there are a lot of things out of their control that will um, make their financial futures insecure no matter, um, even if they do all the right things. Uh, when we spoke on set, you put it this way, that in every country that has a do-it-yourself system like ours, yeah. The most it ever covers is about half of everybody. That's right. Which is what we have currently. And so if you like that system, well, it seems like that's the max. That's what it tops out at. And if after that you still have a concern about your fellow citizens or you still have an understanding that what situation your fellow citizens will be in when they're elderly affects you, uh, we still need – then we need to come up with another system. Right. I mean we really have to build a sentence. A system for the humans that we have. Yes. <laughs> not you know, not you know, not build a system and then say you humans, you have to change. Yeah. Uh, right. um, well, there's well, there's both. I mean, there there is the idea of building yeah. a system that incentivizes people Absolutely. to behave better, and there is worth in. I I believe that you know everyone can educate themselves a little more and be a little bit better than they were yesterday and make better choices and that oh, that's yeah. a that you know individual change is a big way to solve it, uh, to solve problems that's an approach but approaches that you also need to take to solve any problem are also cultural approaches and systemic approaches yeah. um, you can't solve anything through individual action alone you also need to band together yeah. uh, and so you always sort of have to hit it whether it's Saving the planet. Hey, guess what? Don't use a plastic bag. And we need cap and trade for oil emissions. Right, you right. know, like you, you always have to hit it from both ways at once. And and um, well, that's exactly right. It's a collective solution and and an individual solution, and they go together. I mean, the person who is clear eyed that savings, you know, saving um, a plastic bag um, is about solving a problem. Then that person is concerned about the problem. And I'm gonna. I'm just gonna talk about two books. One is my own, and the other one is um, somebody I admire a lot, Jessica Bruder. So my book I wrote because after 2,000 emails, a lot of their emails came from people that watched your show. Uh, you know, our show that we oh, were people, together. People watched it and they just emailed you for yeah, advice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, and um, and I liked those people because they actually they were very. Keen. I think they watch your show because they want to know how the back of the, the watch gears work. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had very sophisticated questions. But after two thousand of you know two thousand or more emails, I decided okay, I'm going to put all my advice since I say a lot of the same things like all of us into one little book, and it's called um, How to Retire with Enough Money, not plenty of money or a lot of money, <laughs> but just enough. Yeah. And I say, look, you have a lot more. Forget the shame. Forget Susie Orman. 
I wanted to name the book Resisting Susie Orman, <laughs> but my publisher also publishes Susie Orman. So nah, uh, it also was yeah. – that's not the whole point. It was but, – but forget about the shame. The shame makes you less power powerful, and if you're not powerful, you can't do anything. So here's your power as a saver, as an investor, as a worker, you know, as a, as a spender. But you also have power as a voter. And don't relinquish that power. Mm. Because if you want to secure your retirement, you need Medicare, actually increasingly Medicaid, because that'll pay for your nursing home, and you need Social Security. And there's another book out by Jessica Bruder called No Man Land. She follows um, people who lost their savings in the Great Recession, and they're now working um, in in um, national parks or Amazon warehouses, living in their trailer, going from job to job because wow. they they did everything they did everything right, wow. but yet they lost not just twenty seven percent but half of their savings. Wow! And that's the future that we'll see is that when we go to Yellowstone, you'll have a seventy five year old entering your latrine. Wow. Uh- uh, so what what do you uh, speaking of Medicare and Medicaid? Something that that became clear to me in the talk of the last uh, you know the about the health bills in mm-hmm. the last year is how much Medicaid has also become a uh, a form of of welfare for the elderly, and that I realized oh it's not just Social Security it's so because what people don't realize is. We do have more of a safety net than we think we do. We're, it's just in a very sort of roundabout backwards way. Yeah. Because if you combine Social Security and Medicare and then realize that so many elderly people, because they didn't have savings, are slipping down below you know, the Medicaid line, they're also receiving yeah. Medicaid, huge numbers of America's elderly are being supported by those three yeah. services, um, which is... Uh-huh. Uh, so stunning to me. So I guess I guess my question is, uh, what do you say to folks who then might criticize you, say, from the left and say, well, yeah. hold on, why should we have a mandated mm-hmm. investment system? Why not just expand yeah. the piecemeal uh, elder care uh, welfare system yeah. we already have into something more comprehensive? Why not just, uh, you know, expand Social Security mm-hmm. so that it covers everyone's retirement? Um, actually, Senator Warren. Um, asked me the same thing as as well as um, Secretary Clinton mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when she was running for president. They asked me exactly the same thing. Why not just to s- expand Social Security and add more to Medicare and Medicaid? And I um, said the, those values to have universal insurance, you know, makes sense to me. But um, a country that relies on a pay-as-you-go system, which all of those systems are, are where workers now pay for the elderly um, now um, breaks down if the um, the numbers of people who are working are much smaller than the population oh. of elders. So if you yeah. have a pay as you go system and all the cohorts were the same size, on paper it would work. But life doesn't work that because way. Because the problem with Social Security, my understanding is. 
it, the the generations have different sizes of people yeah. in them. So the baby boomers, they're, they're called the baby boomers because yeah. there were a whole lot of them. It was a baby boom. And they're this big bulge in the pipeline. Right. And it's moving down. And at first they're all working. And they're all paying for a small number of elderly people. Works who, fine. Yeah, yeah. But then those people are getting older, older, older. My parents yeah. are getting older, older, older. And uh, the birth rate has gone down. Right. So now there's less of us younger. Uh, I hate the yeah. word millennials. But, yeah. you know, there's less of us. And there's a million old people and yeah. our, yeah. our, you know, our Social Security money is supposed to pay for them. It, it clearly doesn't yeah. work. But, I mean, it would work. Also, it's not just the numbers. I really want to stop. It's not just the numbers. It's an easier like look, but it's also the productivity. Mm. But, and also just practically every country that tried to um, welfareize, you know, their old age programs um, failed. Um, Spain and Greece were one countries that were sort of taken over by kind of a pay-as-you-go system and mm-hmm. rejected um, finance. A dollar that you save now is worth $5, you know, in, in 30 years. And so you actually have the current system help pay for your retirement. So it's a combination that works best. Um, both senators, you know, Secretary Clinton and also Senator Warren, and also people I know in the Bernie Sanders campaign got that that what succeeds is a mixed system. Because if you if you have those same people, those baby boomers or whatever that big generation is, if if people are paying into sort of an account that is earmarked for them, yeah. um then uh then you then you sort of have a have a balance of one retirement account for each person. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Versus right. having right. a smaller number of young people pay for a large number of old people, or, and you're getting the benefit of interest and and the right. the the dollar the dollar fifty years ago being worth a lot more today. And, and with I hope, I never thought of that before. Yeah, and and, and with it gets hope, you over the time dilation issue. Exactly, and, and it's and it's also it preserves this um, common sense principle of diversity. That you mm-hmm. want your um, flow of income to that to that need to pay for that need, which is older people coming from different places. You don't want one at all in one basket. Um, so, so we actually have a very sensible system before this four hundred one k and IRA um, kind of fetish, you know, yeah. t- took over. But that fetish, you know, like a lot of them, is is a hollow. And I really f- see a lot of support among American voters for the government. You know, to actually help secure for retirement, and they're rejecting this kind of the blame the victim um, moniker. So we talked a lot to a degree that almost made me uncomfortable about how lucky I am yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to be in the situation that I am. To have yeah. all the things that went right for me that I had no yeah. control of in my life, yeah. um, and then the few that I that I did, um, and then the ones that were pure luck uh, that you know put me in a in a situation where the system works for yeah. me. Um, I'm sure we have many, many listeners who things did not line up that well for and who, uh, you know, are disadvantaged by this system and are not yeah. able to take advantage of it. Uh, what do you tell folks yeah. like that? What is your advice for them yeah. where they've been listening to this whole thing and they say, well, guess what? I do have a lot of debt and yeah. my yeah. I do not have a secure job situation and uh, you know, I did not start when I'm young and yeah. now I'm and oh, wow, the system is so broken. Uh, I'm screwed. You know, uh, I, I, you know, listening to this, getting all stressed out. What the fuck am I supposed to do? What yeah. wh- What do you tell yeah. those folks? No, no. And I, I'm often on call in radio shows and I, I, I speak out a lot and I and I hear hundreds of people in that situation. Um, first of all, if they're listening to, to this, they're 
clear-eyed. They're conscious. They're probably drinking coffee, and they know that they have a problem. So the first thing you do is that you make sure you vote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, um, that's free. Yeah. Um, I know in some states there's a lot of voter suppression, but, you know, get over that and make sure you vote and, and make sure it's heard. Yeah. Um, and you really want to vote for candidates. And I don't care if they're Republicans, Democrats, you know, um, anything else. But if they're the candidate should be um, supportive of Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid in a, in a true way, mm-hmm. in, in a way that's just not um, lip service. So you can vote. You also should know where you spend your money. And you should know that the people who hold your debt um, also, you have a little bargaining power over them. Hmm. So make sure that all the people that you owe money to give you the lowest interest rates possible. Hmm. Um, If you have credit cards, um, tear them up. Um, I just wrote uh, for WalletHub about how no one needs a um, a credit card. It's a it's a it's a gateway drug. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and if you can't pay off your credit cards, even one month, it means that you shouldn't have a credit card. Yeah. You know, lots of advantages. You get points. <laughs> all that is just you know your it's your introductory cocaine. Yeah. It's all it's all not good. Yeah. So a debit card is probably something you might need, um, but it takes money. So so count your count your pennies. Know where you're spending. Um, really bargain with your um, the people who hold your debt to get the lowest interest rates, and try to actually um, do everything you can to knock out the spending that you don't need. I teach a class called the Economics of Consumption and Desire, mm. uh, and this is about um, humans' proclivity to buy things that. Um, put them in a social hierarchy. They're called Veblen called them status goods or conspicuous consumption. That's oh, really you no. Know, usually, you're overcharged for those things, and you probably need less of that. And what you need is actually security. So there are some good common sense, you know, sort of high personal hygiene you can do. But for people in their fifties, you know, who lost their jobs maybe twice in their lifetime or had a family member that needed the money, or who had a child that didn't quite, you know, wasn't the A student, but had to be bailed out of jail, you know, mm-hmm. through no fault of your own, that's just the way some kids yeah. are wired, um, then you actually have a future that the American system didn't didn't take care of. And I um, I wish you the best. That's, uh, that's, that's the most you have to say to those folks. Yeah. Wow, that's... Uh, uh, but don't get predated on. I mean, there also is, yeah. don't listen to people that say, like Charles Schwab, you know, is usually uh, an account that does not, that charges you higher fees. Um, mm. Or a friend of a friend, you know, who knows this guy, sometimes it's a woman, but a lot of times it's a guy who can tell you what to do. Yeah. There are a lot of middle class people who, that have ten or $20,000 for savings and they get it petered away by, you know, by, by really high fees. Yeah. Um, so protect yourself, vote, don't, um, you know, don't, don't fall prey um, to people who want your money. Um, probably try to stay in the labor market yeah. as much as you can. The longer you work, um, it does, it does help you not spend down whatever resources you have. And this is probably the most important thing I can tell your listeners who might be older, Adam, is delay collecting Social Security mm. as long as you can because it pays you 6 to 8% um, more if you wait to collect. Yeah. You can collect as early as 62, but if you wait until 63, you get 6.5% return on wow. your, your benefit goes up. 
If you're 67 and you wait till 70, you'll get 8% per year. Wow. Now, I know a lot of people can't, but even if you can delay it a month or two, um, it's it's the best deal on the planet. But all this, all the things that you just listed that people do sound sounded like a, uh, you know, for any age group, um, sounded like a, a drop in the bucket of, of the, you know, it's like, well, yeah. hey, you know, try to get your interest rates low and, and try to save a little money and and uh, do do your best. But, you know, it, it goes to show that it, it feels like so little against, you know, the, the sort of massive weight of the system. It really highlights for me that like the yeah. that any solutions to this problem need to be systemic. Like this is one of those things that we can't. We can't all do on our own. No, it's a lot like climate change. Um, yeah. It's a um, it's small costs now for everybody to avoid real disaster, and I yeah. think it's a real moral disaster to make a thirty percent of your elderly be poor or near poor adults, which means living with chronic deprivation. When you're old and you're seventy. Um, it's a real tragedy to be poor because there's really no way out. Yeah, uh, it's a tragedy when a seven-year-old is poor, but at least there's a there's more hope. And I'm not gonna. There's no way I'm going to involve myself in this kind of intergenerational conflict. Like if the AARP <laughs> wins, you know, poor children lose. That's mm. not the way governments are built. Yeah. If you have a system that takes care of vulnerable populations, the young and the old get taken care of. Um, so it's not like a a pot of money that we're going to spend on the poor, you know, or the el- the yeah. elderly. I think we just have a lack of realization in this country about how some problems are not solvable on an individual level. Like it's so ingrained in us. I remember talking to uh, my partner Lisa about this, and you know, just w- after our episode, and I was talking about, yeah, like you can't solve retirement on an individual level was my realization. She's like, wait, why not? Why can't you just save enough money? It's like, well, the the variability of what will happen to any one person's individual retirement account um, or what any one person's situation is such that y- people uh, can't guarantee, even if you do everything right, you can't guarantee yeah. it. And so it's a problem that to some extent needs to be solved collectively. And there are, we know if we look around our daily lives, that uh, there are problems that fit that, uh, th- that are like that, you know? Like, yeah. if you were to say to people, hey, everyone's living separately in society, uh, uh, everyone figure out your own medical care, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, a- 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 learn to cure your own diseases and yeah. solve your own wounds and et cetera. No, we know that at the end of the day, uh, eventually, you, you all need to band together and build a goddamn hospital. And get experts there to help. But, yeah, or, or like yeah. in transportation. Hey, you can yeah. only get so far with everyone buying their own. Hey, eventually, we need to build a train. And yeah. we all need to chip in. And build a train that will serve everybody, you know. Right. And and retirement is yeah. is one of those problems. You, you just you just help me um, teach my class. I'm going to bring in the recycling bin, hmm. uh, and I'm going to um, instead of the podium, I'm going to put the recycling bin on the table, and I'm going to say, "How many here recycle?" And everyone's going to raise their hand. How many of you think recycling will solve climate change? And no one will raise their hand. Yeah. So that's exactly the problem. How many here? do save for their retirement and try to get the lowest interest rate on their debt, everybody will save, raise their hand. What we've done here is just 
showed that doing that will not solve the retirement crisis. Yeah. So thank we, you. We thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Teresa. Okay. I, re- I really uh, – you talk about this stuff so so clearly and uh, you – you give what I think our best experts give, which is a mix of dreadful realization and hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Let's put that on my tombstone. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you once again to Teresa for coming on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I did. And that is it for Adam Ruins Everything, the podcast. We will be back in two weeks, so please tune in then. Our producer is Shara Morris. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend about the podcast and subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. It'll really help us out. You can find clips and full episodes of Adam Ruins Everything, the TV show at truetv.com slash Adam Ruins Everything, and the Watch True TV app. You can follow me on Twitter at at Adam Conover. You can watch me play video games at twitch.tv slash Adam Conover, if that's the sort of thing you like. Uh, And until then, hey, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.